today. You say, well, it's not very big. It's on my iPhone. Well, it's still a big book because it is a book that will change lives. It is the best-selling book. It's the number one selling book of all time. And today you're going to get to hear from the number one book of all time. Um, I know there's a book called The Tale of Two Cities where it starts off, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. But it still didn't make the number one selling book. The book of Jesus Christ starts off by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then when we get to the New Testament, it says, in the beginning, God was the Word, and the Word was God. And that is the beginning. So it is still the best book. And I'm going this morning to Acts chapter 8 and verse 29. One verse of Scripture, Acts chapter 8, verse 29. And somebody say, woohoo! I um, just tell you what, I sent a, a picture text of our sign to the pastor in Oxford, Maine this morning. And I said, we're praying for his church. And he says, we're praying for yours also, <laughs> his church. Uh, he, is, he is wanting to come back here and visit us. So we are, we're, we're probably going to have to work that out sometime. And let Pastor John, he's 25 years old and excited about his church. Um, you can look it up online, um, his church. And there's, their logo is a circle with an H and a C. So you can put that together. And I love the, the diamond shape that is here. And Carla did an outstanding job preaching it, uh, showing us the diamond last week and getting myself pumped up about his church. In fact, when I would go somewhere in town, I would go, hmm, I forgot them connection cards. Well, yesterday I didn't forget them, and I didn't forget them today. I got our invite cards in my pocket for when I went out last night, I passed out five of them, five invite cards. So anyway, it's time to get into God's Word in Acts chapter 8, verse 29, as it says this word. It says, and he's, that's the wrong one. I got to go one page over here. Acts chapter 8, 29 says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. Once you listen to that, then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake the chariot. I was studying all week and going to be preaching from Exodus chapter 14, but at midnight this day, the Lord changed that message, and I'm going to tell you what, it's been a whole lot easier studying this one this morning than it was the hours I was trying to get the other one ready. But I'm going to share with you the Spirit said. The Spirit said. And only four times in the entire Bible, and it's mentioned in the book of Acts, will we ever read that term, the Spirit said. The Spirit, when He speaks to you, it needs to be something that is very reverent and something that you need to listen to. Um, this, the Spirit said, is means you better go and listen and be obedient. Before we even hear the Spirit said, there is a great revival taking place in the book of Acts, and especially in, in chapter number 8. You see, Jesus had already ascended into heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And in Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, the Holy Spirit uh, descended upon the people and they were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. They were instructed to, uh, in, in Luke chapter uh, um, 
uh, I can't remember the chapter, but I think it's 2449, where they would stay into Jerusalem and, and until they are endued with power. And now they're endued with power because Acts chapter 1, 8 says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be um, witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so I want you to listen to that that was spoken to us at Acts chapter 1-8. Where did it say we're to be witnesses where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. So Judea was right in our community. Uh, I mean, Jerusalem is the community. Judea would be something like uh, Strasburg, Kingsville, Lone Jack, and that area. And then Samaria would be branching out to a little bit farther and then around the world. Then what happened? The revival atmosphere and the Spirit of God has taken and this revival has gone all over the world. But before it went all over the world, there had to be some persecution take place. There was persecution in Acts chapter 8. And the reason for it is because the people got comfortable. Uh, can, can you want me to say that again? The people got comfortable. If we're not careful, we get comfortable. And I believe it's time for us to not be comfortable anymore. God has spoken to us and given us a fresh vision, a vision for Pleasant Hill, a vision for Lone Jack, Strasburg, and this community around us, and Harrisonville, and then Missouri, and around the world. We are supporting missionaries around the world, and we are sending funds every month. I just love seeing that check go out the first of the month to our missionaries. So this mission that we have given, that, that Jesus told us to do, is taking place here in his church. But we find that as the persecution was taking place in Acts chapter 8, they got comfortable. Saul of Tarsus was breathing threats. He was locking people up. The Christians were being murdered, and it says they were scattered. And when they got scattered means that you can't not put out. You cannot stomp out the fire of God. If you try to stomp it out, it's like flying into the dry uh, dry territory, the, the, the dry trees of the summertime in California. It is going to ignite. And that's exactly what the devil tried to do is put the fire out, and it didn't work. There is persecution happening right here in America. Come on, devil. Try to put the fire out because you can't do it. You should have learned by now that when you try to stomp out the fire of God, the emeralds are going to pick up and the Holy Spirit's going to blow and they're going to land somewhere else and fire is going to ignite and revival is going to take place. And guess what? Philip was called to go to a place called Samaria. And Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And Philip is in revival. I'm telling you what. This disciple of Christ, though he was not one of the 12 apostles, he is disciple of Christ. He is an evangelist. He's not called to be a pastor. He's called to be an evangelist. And he shows up in this town of Samaria. Remember, Jesus already went there and planted the seed when he talked to the woman at the well. But now it's been years later, or, so, or we don't know exactly how long it had been, but it had been quite some time since Jesus had been there. But there was an emerald burning. There was a fire that was ignited. It was a great revival taking place. And it was a revival that was taking place in a Gentile area. Actually, it was, it was a mixed breed. Of, it was a Gentile Jewish people. 
And this Jewish man by the name of Philip goes there. And he would love to stay at this revival. You know what? When revival is going and it is going strong, an evangelist does not want to leave that town. In Acts chapter 2, about 3,000 people got saved. In Acts chapter 2, chapter 3, at Solomon's porch, it says about 2,000 people got saved. And now the gospel has reached this place in Samaria, and the Word of God records it. In Acts chapter 8, verse 5 through 13, it says multitudes were getting saved. Now, I, I don't know how to count multitudes. Uh, I don't know what that, that just means we're not even going to worry about counting them. That means just as I am without one plea, the people are coming down from the stadium and they're coming on to the field. And we just say, it's a multitude of people because uh, we didn't have time to do the one of those clickers they do when you go to Costco. So a multitude of people is getting saved and that Philip can't wait to get to the revival service because something is exciting. God cares about the multitudes, but he also cares about the, the individuals. And here, this church was growing so fast, they were saying, hey, we got to get some more greeters at the door. we got to get somebody on the parking lot to guide the mules in and some of the chariots. They've got to come in and find a place to park. Do we have anybody to make some Jerusalem coffee? we got to get where, because Jerusalem is branching out and they're making Jewish coffee over there in Samaria to serve all the first-time guess do we have the right people in place i'm just an evangelist here i'm just preaching that's what philip's doing and people are getting saved but we've got to get things set up do we have somebody that's going to be the executive pastor the lead pastor the children's pastor we have some they i can imagine all this stuff was going through their minds because it's going through my mind but the scripture doesn't mention it they just mentioned the multitude uh, sometimes we get so caught up on what we have to get in place, and it's important. And we've done training, and we've got to have people in place and position because you know what's about to happen. I'm telling you what, we are going to begin to see a trickle of people. It could happen as a multitude of people. I don't know how it's going to work. All I know is God is building his church, and people are going to get saved, and we've got to have the people in place. But we sometimes, if we're so caught up on we've got to cover this area. Oh, this person called in sick. We can't get, oh, who's going to be at this? Oh, we can get so caught up in doing that, we forget the most important important part and that is preaching the gospel and leaving the door wide open for the holy spirit to come in and speak to us hmm, you probably didn't expect me to say that did you see since i've been talking about getting all these things in order and we've got the church marketing university we've been getting all and i'm tell you what folks you have been doing an outstanding job preparing and you're going to prepare for this Friday night because you're going to come in and you're going to begin to build relationships with people. That's why we have these cards is to build relationships with people. That's why we have 2,000 new pens that we can work the railroad days and work the county fair is to build relations. That's getting out in the outreach. That's evangelism. And there's multitudes of people getting saved. Philip could not wait to the next night. Woo, man, we're going to have revival service. It's going to be great. We're going to see multitudes of people. It was happening every night. He didn't want to leave. 
But the angel of the Lord said to him, and let's see which verse that. Let me back up just a little bit here. The angel of the Lord spoke to him in verse 26 and said, Philip, arise and go towards the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. He was, he, he was obedient right away. But there'll be some evangelists say, hey, I don't know about this. There's some great revival going on. Man, the offerings are good. Woo-hoo. Man, that, that pastor just wrote me out a check, and it was one of the best checks. Oh, I'm, I'm telling you, it was the best check I've ever had for preaching a week's revival. I don't want to go. The Lord, angel Lord said, go down to this desert. He could have said, well, there is a great revival and there's people going on. There's a multitude taken. But you see, God is still concerned about the individual, the one person. God cares about the individual. So he pulls that Philip up from the task of Samaria to go out and reach one Ethiopian eunuch that he knows is going to cross his path at the right moment he's in this area of the Gaza Strip. Why take me away from the multitudes? Let me tell you. Um, I called my dad today. He answered the phone, didn't have to call his home. He's in a nursing home now in rehab, and he's going to stay in the nursing home now, um, which kind of strange. I got to till my garden and do extra stuff that I haven't been able to do in 16 months. Um, but um, in the first church he was pastoring, he was pastoring Revival Temple in St. Louis, Missouri. And he pastored there for three years. And over three years, they had over 600 people get saved. And the three-year period that they was at, I mean, the, the church was filled and packed. He probably wondered why he left. But he was called to do a revival. I don't know if it was during the time he was pastoring or shortly after that. But he was called to go to preach a revival in Illinois. And he went and he preached a whole week in Illinois and did not see any result. Imagine that he's been preaching for three years at Revival Temple and seeing a multitude of people get saved. Over 600 in the church, and those 600, they went out and won other people, a multitude of people, giving their heart to Jesus Christ and goes and preaches a whole week and feels like he wasted his time or wasn't very successful because he left the multitude to go preach the revival in a church. More than 20 years later, in Benton, Arkansas, He met a man that said to him, I was a little boy when you preached a revival in this certain town in Illinois. I got saved at that revival. And that was in the mid-60s that dad preached that revival. Now he's meeting this man about 1985 or 86, 20 years later. And the man says, I got saved in that revival. And I personally have won more than 10,000 people to Christ since that time. And now that's been 30 years since dad heard that story. 
I know talents how many men, women, boys, and girls he has won since then. It could be 20, 30, 40, 50,000, and it just multiplies. You see, God is concerned about the individual that he would take a man that was seeing multitudes of people getting saved and put him in a town in Illinois to preach that one little boy would get saved. There's going to be individuals. You might say, well, well, today not a multitude got saved. We may come to church one Sunday and 10 or 15 people get saved and we may come the next Sunday not see any results. Let me tell you what, we may not see the results, but God has taken notice and there's a multitude going to get saved because one person got saved. The individual is important. Thank you, Jesus, for waking me up at 12 o'clock to give me this message because God cares for the individual. You're not just a number. You have a name. I know the Bible does not record the name of this eunuch, but he worked for the queen of Ethiopia. And we don't know what happened in Ethiopia when he got there, but I believe he had an influence upon the queen and upon the rest of the nation because no one went there to write the scriptures. But today there is still a revival that is happening in the continent of Africa. We have missionaries there ministering. You say, well, they're doing a great jerk. Let me tell you what I believe that the seed has already been planted 2,000 years ago that they can go there and see the harvest. How many have ever watched the videos of Reinhard Boinke just uh, preaching to those multitudes where 300, 400, 500,000 people get saved at one revival meeting and it's still happening today because God is concerned about one individual and he will multiply it and we'll call it a multitude. Oh, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know if you guys really understand what's burning in my heart right now. It's burning in my heart right now. But see, the part I want you to listen to in the Acts chapter 8, then the Spirit said. Reverence the Spirit. Then the Spirit said. I have one time in my life heard the audible voice of God. Most of the time, it's just a speaking in your heart. Your mind grasps it and you understand, all right, I've heard the word. Uh, you've spoke to me through the word. And one time the Lord said, go on a fast. Like that, I instantly went on a fast. I have never gained the weight back from that fast. But as I was really dealing with leaving Pleasant Hill because I needed something fresh. I needed a fresh start. I needed to get away and pastor a successful church. Uh, you know, the one in Southern Missouri and that one down at the beach, you know that one. I showed you that picture. I showed Paul that picture. Some of you are probably thinking, hey, pastor, well, there, we, could, we could do a his church campus down there. It's fine with me. We're ready to go. Some of you would just pack up and go like that. I was, I was looking at that because, but see, that was the flesh. That was, that was a man that was tired. That was a man that needed rest in my mind and my heart. That was a man that had been, had some wounds upon him. And I, I needed some place to go and just let the, the wounds heal up and let the scabs begin to flake off. I needed a place like that. But then 
the Spirit said. And the Spirit said this word to me. I want my church back. And Matthew records upon this rock, I will build my church. And I said, okay, Lord, I've been trying to build your church. And I've been trying to grasp out there and grab people to keep them from leaving because there was an exodus happening here at the previous church that we used to have here. And I said previous because today it's his church. And I was grasping, trying to hold on to them. But Judas had the world's greatest pastor and Jesus couldn't even hold on to him. And when Jesus preached to a multitude of people and said, you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, and they walked away and then that was the great his pastor. He couldn't even hold on. What do you think I can do? I can't hold on the people. All I know is he told me to go and get them and fetch them and go into all the world and preach the gospel. He'll take care of that. And that's what he's called his church to do. It's not to try to hold on the people, just preach the gospel and win them because churches are like buses. Some people get on and some people get off. You can't try to keep the ones on that want to get off. Let them get off. Let them go somewhere somewhere else, but just preach the gospel. He will build his church. Woo. So Philip heard the spirit say, and the spirit said, when the spirit speaks to you, listen. I heard our general, ex-general superintendent, former general superintendent, Dr. Wood preaching him. He preached a sermon called The Spirit Said, which has really pricked my heart to study this. And, and this has got, doesn't even sound anywhere like his sermon. But I will tell you one thing that was in his message. It was back in the 50s when there was a young man that opened up the newspaper. His name was David Wilkerson. And when he opened up a newspaper, he saw like four boys coming out of court and they had been tried for murder and they was going to prison. And this country preacher saw that and these boys were part of a gang that purposely stabbed this young man to death and even took his blood and rubbed it in their hair. And this David Wilkerson, a young man, really not much of a preacher yet, but something happened to him, the Spirit said. And when the Spirit said, go to New York, he went to New York. And not knowing what to do in New York, a country boy in Manhattan or Brooklyn, and what happened is another man that was an immigrant from Puerto Rico by the name of Nicky Cruz got saved and began to win the Mau Mau Gang. And from there, from that man, David Wilkerson, listening to the Spirit said, he planted a church on Times Square that to this day, where all this happening up and down the street and all these signs has over 10,000 people in worship at Times Square. 
Square Church. And because he listened to the Spirit, when the Spirit said something to him, to go to New York City, today there is a ministry that is worldwide known as Teen Challenge, where thousands and thousands of young men and women's lives have been changed as they have come off of addictions because one guy, one man heard the Spirit say to him, and he went. Listen when the Spirit speaks to you because he's using you for great things, not for your glory, but for his glory. When the Spirit says, do it and be reverent because he's going to speak to you. So, Philip listens, he goes, and it says, the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. Now, he's quite an athlete, too. I mean, this, this evangelist, he's in shape. He's not like one big fat preacher who says, I love fried chicken all the time. And this man, this man's got it together because the word says overtake this chariot. That means this chariot. I don't care if the chariot was doing a small trot or going full speed. You've got to be an athlete to run a chariot down. But he did. That's what my dad would say. He was picking them up and setting them down. And he got there. He caught up with that chariot, and he heard this Ethiopian eunuch, and they're reading the word of God. And when you get near it, Philip heard him reading, and he, he knew, he recognized the prophet of Isaiah, and he said, do you understand what you are reading? The world needs people that understand, that can interpret the Word of God and preach the Word of God. And when God opens up a ministry opportunity, take it. Because in Romans chapter 10, it says, How will they know unless they hear? And how will they hear unless someone is sent? It is our responsibility to take this message to them. And if we can't get to them, it is our responsibility to write out the checks to send missionaries that go to places that we cannot go. And so now this evangelist is now a missionary, and he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the man says, I don't understand. He says, of whom speaketh the prophet, of himself or some other man? He's reading the prophecy about Jesus. He's hungry. He wants somebody to tell him about Jesus. Well, well I'll, I'll get these cards out. I'll pass out as many as possible, Pastor, so you can tell them about Jesus on Sunday morning. Let me tell you something. People will come up with all kinds of excuses. They will tell you, I'm going to be there Sunday morning, and they never show up. So I'm asking you to prepare yourself to be the preacher that you are because you can lead them right there. If they say, I don't really understand it, tell them about Jesus. Us. Why not get saved out there and bring them in and just worship together? That's okay too. The true message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can begin to tell the story that Jesus was born of a virgin. 
and he lived a perfect sinless life. He was dead, but yet he rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession that you and I can go boldly to the throne, that we can speak to the Father because by the blood of Jesus Christ that he gave his blood through his death, and burial and resurrection, we have access to go to our Father with boldness. You can begin to share that story to them. We can also begin to talk about water baptism because this man, he got saved on the back of a chariot and right out in the middle of the desert is an oasis, a puddle of water. I don't know if it always been there or if God just said, I'll scoop it up and put some water right there. Because when he got to that spot, this Ethiopian man says, see, see, there's water over there. What hinders me from being baptized? I'll tell you what hinders you from being baptized. You haven't been through the eight-week new converts class yet. And when we get through that, then we'll schedule a water baptism. And we'll put the baptistry up here. We'll get your T-shirt ordered because we want to make sure the T-shirt says, I have decided with that, that, uh, his church logo on it. And then we'll have a water baptism. I'll tell you what. Why don't we just have a water baptism right when they get saved? It doesn't matter. Now, I don't mind going through the eight-week course. That's awesome. That's great. We need to have it. We got the books, and we're ready to teach. But there's churches that think you have to go through all those steps. This Ethiopian man, he says, what hinders him? And you know what? What hindered him? Nothing hindered him from it. All he had to do was get baptized. And they walked down to the baptismal. Mm-hmm. That God put in place there. He confessed his faith, believing in Jesus Christ. And Philip said, okay, uh, Ethiopian, we're going to baptize right now. I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Put him down, raised him up, and poof. There was the first beaming that ever happened in the world. And, he went, he, and, and let me tell you what, Philip didn't say, beam me up, Scotty. It's the only time I've ever read in the scriptures has it happened before. It, it may have. I don't know. But he disappeared right then, and God placed him in another place. Wow. That's awesome. Lord, if you want to do that, don't do it while I'm preaching because the people get freaked out. I don't know if he just disappeared or, or you saw those waves just like Star Trek and, and, and you saw his body molecules just being broken into different pieces and he was placed somewhere else. I don't know how it happened, but I know it happened because you know what? I believe the word of God. Beam me up, Jesus. I've always wanted to preach in New Zealand. I've checked out the prices just for Robin and I to go down vacation. It's over $2,000 just for the plane tickets. I guess if we got $4,000 and got down there, we might have to live homeless for about two weeks and try to get back. But I guess I'd be all right with me. If I could preach down there, so beam me down to New Zealand, Lord. I'm ready to preach down there. How many feel like the Lord wants you to be beamed to, to Tahiti or, or Hawaii. How many, how many knows that's, that's God's will, isn't it? Right there. Amen. You feel it? You feel it? Oh, Lord, please don't send me to Siberia during the wintertime. Pick out a nice warm climate. The Caribbean's all right. Mm-hmm. Nothing hinders you from being baptized. I'm going to be baptized. 
And baptism in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says they buried him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of operation of God who has raised him from the dead. When you're baptized, it's a testimony that Jesus was dead, buried, and rose. And I myself have been dead, buried, and rose again. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Baptize them in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Even though I didn't quote it exactly right, you got the, the gist of it right there. You can look it up and get the exact quotation if you want. But the important part is that we are called as a church body to fellowship, called to evangelize, called to worship, called to be obedient to God's word, and called to baptize people. And so this man got baptized, and he went off on his way because one man was obedient to the Spirit. Ephesians 3, 5, 3, 14 through 15 says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. The purpose is to witness to the world and the personal identification of Jesus. The Spirit didn't tell Philip to go down and overtake this here chariot just because he was trying to get him to a warmer climate. Because there was somebody there. I'm so thankful that we have these tools. A simple tool like this. This tool here works good in the grocery store. I passed out five yesterday in less than an hour. Just for people I've already know as a relationship. One said, oh, I'm bad. I haven't been to church in a long time. Oh, you're not bad. Jesus loves you. But when the Spirit says, you might have this card ready to pass it out to them because you believe it's a simple invitation, and it is. But if the Spirit says, don't wait. Don't just take an invite. If the Spirit says, it's time to tell them about Jesus. If the Spirit says, do something, that means let's do it. Now let's stand up right now and let's get ready to praise him right now and begin to say, Lord, begin to ask him, Spirit, what do you have for me to do? He may not speak to you this morning. Oh, he'll speak to your heart, but I'm talking, there, what I preach today is a little bit different. It is to the point, and you know it's different. Because you've, had, you've wrestled in your mind before where you say, Lord, is that you or, or is this not you? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But when the Spirit speaks, you don't wrestle at all. Because you know at that moment it is the Holy Spirit. That's why it is important for us to be baptized with the Spirit so that we can be obedient to the Spirit.